If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, interesting development today concerning the uh, Canadian Hockey League, Major Junior Hockey in Canada. And I guess as we look ahead to next season, there's maybe still some uncertainty as to, to uh, how junior hockey is going to operate in, in this new reality. Um, but uh, some, some resolution to an issue that's been bubbling for some time. Uh, and the question of whether uh, these athletes who play for these CHL teams uh, should be considered employees, should be entitled to some compensation, that they should be paid. And uh, like I say, this has been uh, going on for some time. There was a class action lawsuit that was filed against the CHL over this. And the CHL, we learned today, has now settled those lawsuits. Now, they have released a statement uh, that makes it clear that, quote, this settlement does not mean that we agree with the plaintiffs. It means that we wanted to end the lawsuits so we could continue to focus on being the best development league in hockey. But this is a $30 million settlement they've agreed to. Uh, So this involves um, paying former players minimum wage, back pay, and overtime. So what are the implications of all of this going forward? Uh, Joining us to talk more about this is obviously somebody who's been actively involved in in all of this. And we've spoken with him before uh, about uh, some of these issues. Uh, Randy uh, Gumblet is a uh, spokesperson with uh, the World Association of Ice Hockey Player Unions, uh, WAIPU. Randy, thanks so much for joining us here this afternoon. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. Uh, First of all, what what did you make of the settlement? Were you surprised by this at all? Well, no, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I I think uh, first I'd like to tip my hat to uh, the lawyers who's been fighting the Charney Law Firm, Steve Barrett, uh, for fighting on behalf of these players, you know, who weren't able to have a voice. They've done a great job. Uh, you know, it's a bittersweet day. Um, the admission that, you know, uh, the CHL may not be admitting that uh, they were employees, but the courts have ruled clearly before that they, these players were, in fact, employees. And that these teams have basically uh, orchestrated a scheme to try and screw uh, in these employees out of their wages. Um, $30 million to me doesn't cut it. Um, uh, doesn't cut for the amount of players that are there or the restrictions on some of the players that won't be getting paid in that deal. Uh, but it's a start. Um, to me, it doesn't mean it's the end of litigation. I do know and foresee that there's going to be more litigation now coming against the CHL and their co-conspirators for, you know, allegedly restricting trade, anti-competitive acts that's happened over the last, um, you know, 20 years in order for these teams to profit. And I, I, you know, it's a it's a sad day that it had to come to this when, really, the CHL and their owners and their teams were led down this path uh, that they had no choice. They were either going to pay the piper through the court system uh, or come to a settlement. And it took seven years to come to a negotiated settlement on this, yeah. which is uh, a real shame. 
and shows real lack of uh, leadership within the CHL uh, for actually looking after the benefit of their employees who are the talent in which the people go to see and pay to mm-hmm. see. Yep. So who's going to, to get paid here? Where, where's this money going to go, as we understand? Well, uh, so I understand that, uh, you know, the lawyers out of, out of this money, and, and this is key, uh, where lawyers are going to get their fees. Uh, I haven't really thoroughly led through the document if it also includes the fees from the other side, uh, the defense uh, lawyers that will be there. And then there's a pool of money. Now, I know... Uh, that there is a Hockey Canada insurance policy that's in place, which is for minor hockey programs. And it would be a shame that this $30 million money is coming from that pool of money. And if it is, and I'm hoping that it's not, I'm hoping that the owners have agreed to pay out of their pocket, as they should, it's because it's their uh, infractions against the law that's happened. But if they've utilized the Hockey Canada insurance policy to pay off uh, these for-profit businesses who've been sued, who are not members of Hockey Canada, the CHL is only a partner, that is something that the 550,000 participants in minor hockey, because their insurance has already went up from $13 to $21 per kid wow. because over the last year or two. And if that insurance money continues to rise because of cross-action proceedings for uh, businesses that are not members, only partners, that, that to me is going to change the focus of what we're trying to do in representing CHL players. It's going to bring a bigger mandate to us. Yeah. Because but I mean, the, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so, but, I mean, we're, we're talking about former players who, who are going to be compensated. It doesn't appear as though uh, that the model is going to change going forward so that current players no. are being paid. That's right. That's, and to me, that's, that's the sad part. The CHL acknowledges that there was some form by payment, uh, even though on paper they're saying that they're not, no one's paying $30 million because they didn't do something wrong. Let's get it that straight. The second thing is they got to start acknowledging that these players are, in fact, recognized by the Canadian government as employees. That's it, the bottom line. If they think they're off the hook because they managed to lobby some of the provincial governments to amend laws for amateur athletes, they're seriously mistaken. Because now there's a federal law that takes place under federal minimum wage requirements, employment standards laws. These teams play interprovincially. That law hasn't been changed. So if Mr. Branch and all of those individuals in the league actually think that this actually stops here because there's an agreement and they go to back to the same type of format come September, we're going to end up in litigation again. So it sounds like, uh, and, and what's, uh, for example, Sportsnet is reporting here, so $30 million is the settlement, but the total team payouts will be about $15 million. So the league and insurance will cover the rest. Works out to about $250,000 per team. Does that sound about right to you? Uh, that would sound about right. I mean, um, first of all, I wouldn't really... Uh, I'm not a big fan of Sportsnet's reporting, uh, but if that's what they're reporting and it's accurate, I have the actual court pleadings here uh, that's in. I just haven't had the time to go through it. But the, from what I see from the analysis, it only looks like it's going to be about six, four to $6,000 a player. And where I have the issue, I think I've read in the document just quickly, is that players that were drafted and signed NHL contracts are not, are not eligible for the payment. 
And to oh, me, right? again, they try to mitigate the damages and what you're going forward. That kid who got drafted in the first or the tenth, seventh round in the NHL draft, he provided his four years into the league. Why would he not be eligible to get paid? And this is the thing. Like, the other side has done a great job in their defense and trying to mitigate the damages. So we have Canadian players that get paid, but we have eight teams in the U.S. that are not part of this action, that are not right. going to get paid. So now what do we have to do? Go to court again in the U.S.? Because these owners refuse to ante up or open up their pocketbooks to pay, and it would only be, according to their documents, an additional $300,000 per team. That's peanuts to these guys. Some of those WHL teams and Ontario teams spend more on that in food and beverage during the course of the year than what they do on paying their employees. Like, you know, now, league, I, I'm ex- yeah. Well, the, I'm ex- and I want to give you a chance to address it because obviously the league yeah. maintains and its defenders maintain uh, that, look, those, those athletes that go on to the NHL and make a lot of money, the CHL have facilitate that. Uh, those that go on and, and have an education paid for, that the CHL paid for that. So, so they're arguing that their, their players, their employees benefit in other ways. What, what do you say to that? I call bullshit. That's what I call. We did the statistics over the last 10 years. You know how many players have had a career of more than four, uh, four, uh, sorry, five years in the NHL that came from the CHL? 47. 20,000 players drafted into the CHL in the last 10 years. 1,000 of those players actually got drafted to the NHL. Only 47 ended up having a career of more than five years. And as far as the education packages, these kids going to Canadian universities, that statistic is still out. Because what the CHL doesn't tell you is it's not the CHL that's paying for the education package. It's the National Hockey League. The NHL pays for the referees, the education funds for these teams, and all part of that CHL-NHL agreement. So you basically have a CHL league that has an agreement with the National Hockey League um, to restrict players' trades because they can't go anywhere else between the age of 18 and 20. And imagine in a player contract that you have a clause in there that said if a player wants to leave the league to go play in Europe, in the WHL, that the payer, the player must pay the owner a $500,000 release fee. Okay. Does that sound like an amateur league to you? Not to me. No. No. Uh, what so, about this aspect of it, Randy, yeah. though? I mean, uh, as you say, I mean, the CHL uh, does, you know, a lot of these teams do make a lot of money, both in terms of ticket sales, uh, concessions, etc. cetera. Right. Um, yeah. Obviously, going into this season, it's an open question whether any of that's going to be a reality and whether the CHL mm-hmm. can make a go of it uh, with, with right. games that have no spectators. So what, what about, I mean, are, are you sympathetic at all to the situation now that these teams face going into this year and the potential loss of a whole lot of that revenue? Um, listen, I love the sport of hockey probably more than anyone else in Canada. I'll do give you that. Uh, I don't like the business side of it. Never did it. When, when I owned in the junior league, hated it. Am I sympathetic to the owners? Not at all. Um, you know, they have ways of creating additional revenue. Um, there's good revenue sharing that they could have amongst teams. And I think we're going to see a major correction in sports right now with regards to uh, player salaries, uh, revenue sharing amongst teams and owners and players and trying to bring back and profit from the from the sports and the chl you know is a professional league they operate they have tickets they have you know bums in the seats and all that good stuff and they'll come back this is a temporary blimp on the whole thing and maybe another year 
but Canadians love hockey. And they're going to buy tickets, they're going to go to events. And what's happened here in this short little window of time with this coronavirus uh, is a little blimp. And it's going to put a little bit of a hiccup into their, into their financial resources, as it's done the rest of them, uh, people in Canada. Yeah. But the bottom line is their business model is solid. You've got 60 teams every year making money. And no one's, no one's dropping off. All right. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. Much more, as mentioned, WAIPU.ca. Randy, thanks so much for joining us here this afternoon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Bye now. All the best. You take care. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, Randy Gumbley uh, with the World Association Ice Hockey Player Unions, North American Division. And, uh, yeah, they've, they've been uh, waging this fight for a long time uh, to get the CHL to recognize what they say is the reality. That, look, you guys are a professional league. You guys are making money and that you should be uh, compensating your employees, that the players should be getting paid. I mean, it's similar to the debate you see in the U.S. around NCAA uh, football and basketball, uh, where some of those, those sports and some of those colleges make insane amounts of money. And there's such strict conditions when it comes to players and, and profiting at all in any way from any of this. But they're the, they're the product. They're what people are paying to see. And so, yeah, I mean, it does raise an interesting question. How do, how do we view these, these athletes? And yet, I mean, look, a lot of these teams do make good money. And you can look around the CHL, even in the WHL, and there are some big teams and big markets uh, that do well. There are some teams that, that struggle, though. And so you got to wonder, the combination of this settlement which it sounds as though it's going to work out to about $250,000 a team, plus all of the financial uncertainty heading into this coming year, you know, it might be, it might be too much for some teams to bear. Some teams are probably better positioned to, to cover these costs and weather this storm. It's an open question, I think, as to whether some of the clubs in smaller communities will get through this. So I think there's just a lot of questions in general about sports and hockey in particular going into this year. You know, never mind the debate around uh, the CHL and whether it's professional or, or amateur or what. Just in terms of is it safe for young people to play hockey? How do we have to adjust to make sure that it is? Uh, and what about the idea of having people packed in arenas watching games? You know, whether it's a peewee hockey game or a junior A hockey game. Uh, all right, our number here in Calgary, 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.